Hey everyone, welcome back to One Shot at a Time, a tabletop role-playing game podcast. We take a random prompt and turn it into a one-shot adventure. This season, we're tackling Fabula Ultima, a JRPG-inspired tabletop role-playing game. My name is Daniel, your Forever Game Master. And I'm your fantasy writing masterclass teacher, Daniel Lee. Yes, you can purchase all of his classes on Skillshare for... Is this Skillshare like a gaming site? Or is that just a, anything? It's anything. You can learn anything on Oh, there. okay. So yeah. it's like um, like Khan Academy or whatever? Yeah, it's like Khan Academy, but it's a subscription where you learn stuff from famous people who hmm. are just there. Like Gordon Ramsay teaches you how to cook. Okay, uh, okay, great. Though, even though he has a YouTube about it. So that brings us into this sponsor for today's episode. Skillshare. Skillshare. <laughs> no, I wish we were sponsored by anybody. <laughs> Damn, the way you said that was so wistful. I mean, we yeah. Anyways, what's our prompt today? Show Daniel? logistics aside. Okay, cool. Um, so hopping right into it. Well, I say that, but we've just vamped for thirty seconds <laughs> as um, usual. So I've had this idea for a while now. Where well, idea more like sort of anxiety of, are we actually designing shit on this podcast? And if you've ever asked yourself that question. <laughs> then you've listened to our podcast are they really designing shit (laughs) this is probably the episode for you because i thought it would be a fun experiment to just google like fantasy design tips Mm -hmm. and then just like figure out what authors are saying you should do when you build a fantasy world and then see if we did that with our sonic fan fiction yeah our eight hours of podcast recording time to design a full fleshed out fantasy (laughs) adventure world to be fair (laughs) I get the feeling if you ask an author how long they spent designing worlds, which are also, to be fair, way more in depth mm-hmm. than whatever we have. I mean, they would probably give you like 40, 100, 200 hours, maybe. Oh, not eight hours? They yeah. Don't do, they don't do it all pre recorded on a podcast? Yeah, maybe, maybe. With their best friend? They probably just like think about it when they're flying <laughs> and then that's it. Yeah. They, oh, I had like a flight between like Florida to Hawaii. Right. Yeah, that's, that's how I came up with my wonderful world of. Lord of the Rings. Iawa. Iawa. Iawa? Yeah. My word is Iwa. Okay. I mean, I know nothing about these questions, so let's see how we did. Yeah. It'll be a fun experiment. It'll be kind of like a BuzzFeed article, except it makes you feel bad about yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. So, a BuzzFeed article. Yeah. Great. All right. Cool. So, the first article is a list of tips from an author named Richie Billing. And if I scroll up here, I can tell you what he wrote. Just so, you know, best practice, gotta, gotta shout out the homies. Mm-hmm. You know what? Screw it. We'll just put it in the description. Okay, sure. I have to navigate to a different page, and I'm doing this on the phone, so it's, like, too much work. Okay, yeah. Well, Richie Billing, if you're listening, I'm sorry. You probably wrote some good stuff. Yeah, but not enough for us to read it. Indeed. This is just a summary of the tip, so it might not, like, actually fully encapsulate what he was trying to portray with this article, but I'm just gonna read through what he does one by one, and then we'll talk about if we actually do it. Yeah, sure. Okay, so, number one. Begin with the physical elements of your world. Nope. <laughs> I mean, we kind of did that, right? Uh, yeah. Um, like, because it's, uh, well, okay, no, we didn't do that at all. I'm yeah, just what, 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 I'm just kidding. Yeah, we, okay, so this is how we did it. We just opened up a game and then we're like, yep, we'll follow these prompts. That is true, but, oh no, but we didn't even have the physical copy of the book either. We just bought the digital. Yeah, we were just, we're fully digital. We began with the digital aspects of our we world. We began with a digital element. <laughs> Not necessarily of our world. Yes. Okay, so okay, so we didn't do that at all. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, you know, I was a little bit confident going into this, but right off the bat, <laughs> not a, so sure anymore. Yeah, big no. Because <laughs> I was like reading through this and I was like, 
without really thinking about it, I was like, we kind of do this stuff. And then, <laughs> but having you say that, it's true that no, we don't do this at all. <laughs> okay, number two. To help you design the physical landscape, try drawing a map. Try drawing a map using a fantasy map generator or try playing world building games. Okay, so we, we kind of did this. So we did not draw the map. We got a map from the pre-built oh, games and then decided to ignore it completely going into it. So again, no. I was... It's so funny that I I have, like, like selective memory where I'm just like, oh, map? World-building game? Things? I've encountered those things. Yeah. And then I think back on it and I'm like, oh, wait. We said we would use a map, and then we didn't, and then we said we would use the generator, and then we didn't. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we Never didn't, mind. We didn't, we didn't do this at all. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number three. Uh, then create the cultural settings. And then, I don't know why these are... Oh, well, number three is create the cultural settings, and then number four is to do this, ask yourself world-building questions. Okay. Which Sounds like... I have for you in another section Okay. that Cause... we can touch on. Oh, because I thought it was like, did we do that? I'm like, we asked world building questions. Were they the right questions? Probably not, but right. we did ask them. But, well, because, okay, so it's like a technicality because when you're pl- in the Fabula Ultima rule book, there are world building questions. Yeah. And they're like, okay, ask yourself these questions okay. and then answer them to, like, you know, create your world, right? Because it's like, what kind of fantasy is it? All right. How is the world shaped? I mean, we're four questions and I'll take a technicality. We got it, right? I'll yeah, take okay. a technicality. I mean, let's, let, let's get a dub. Let's get a dub. <laughs> we got the dub. For on the boys first back point home. on the board. Let's go. For the boys back home. This one's for you, Richard. Uh-huh. Well, okay. And then as for number three, creating the cultural settings, did we do that? I feel like we kind of did. Yeah, yeah, I think we definitely did that using the question set that they asked. So I think three and four, we we got... Yeah, okay. We we made Yimika. Two, we okay. did a prompt for Magic Kingdom, which we rolled for. which And then right, we inserted right. Metal City that you really wanted for well, some reason. Okay, so aside from aside from me inserting robots <laughs> into our natural fantasy world, yes. I think... I don't remember if we already hit on it in the world building episode, but we did kind of have a dynamic going of like... You know, there's the the YMCA. Yes, the, in the forest. Exactly. And we, I think, at that point, we were kind of already like, there is a contrast between humans in this world who kind of think they're the shit. Yeah. And everything else. And these really buff, sweaty guys that cast with body magic. Right. Which we established was their culture. We as already well. okay. Yeah. We probably so culturally we got this. We down. did okay. Cool. Yeah. So we do have that culture. Mm-hmm. Two points. Nice. Okay. Two. Two to two. Yeah. Let's see if we can take this dub home. All right, let's see. Number five, go out and... Ex- <laughs> Reading this just makes me laugh because it's like absolutely fucking not. Go out and explore the world around you for inspiration. Uh, no, yeah, well, uh, no. Uh, well, hold on, hold okay, on, so hold I don't, on. I don't go outside, so that's, but, a, that's a no from me. But the world around us includes everything we've encountered, which is Sonic, which we used as inspiration. Oh. So maybe- No, but I think this would be, like using that as an example, I think it would be more like, oh, you're incorporating Sonic go to a hedgehog hedgehog cafe <laughs> and it's like okay let me get real into hedgehogs right okay you mean like i can't just play sonic battle adventure 2 three times and just well, go off of it i mean like in a way is every video game not a world in itself uh. are we not visiting other worlds created by the minds of brilliant creators by entering their creations their very worlds that they've built you're right, we didn't make this point. Okay, okay cool. Fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. Num- <laughs> this is so funny because number six is just, the first two words are, 
in bold, read books. And then I can just tell you right now that there's a definite no from us. We read The Fabula Ultimate Guide. That is a book. That is a book. That is a book. A digital book. Do we get this on a technicality? I think we get it on technicality. And we're tied again. Is it too facetious (laughs) to claim we read a book despite constantly (laughs) reminding our listeners that we don't read books? Um... Are we know, allowed I, to do that? I think I got to read about it to figure it out. I think there might be some kind of like FCC trade <laughs> regulation saying that you can't have a podcast that you make money off of, mm. which we don't. We don't. True. And also just blatantly lie. Okay. So since we don't make any money, we can blatantly lie. So I okay. Think we're okay. Okay. Yeah. We're, okay. We're so three, three, to three. Three, 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 three to three. Three to three. Cool. Tied it up. Tied it up. Okay. Not bad. Mm. Okay. And then he lists, he links another checklist from a, from a site called nownovel.com. Okay. Which we'll run through really quick. Okay. Five world building tips. Number one, make a checklist of details. Didn't what do are, that. <laughs> yeah. What are your world, cities, countries, peoples, cultures? We, I mean, the Fabula Ultima system kind of has you doing that. Yeah. But I didn't make a checklist, but I think, yeah, I think we did touch on those topics. Yeah. That's true. Okay. So no. <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> Big no. Okay. This one's, this one's interesting. Number two, include vivid contrasts. For example, Tolkien contrasts the homely life of the Shire with Deathly Mordor. Mm-hmm. Real talk, we kind of did this. Yeah. Because we were like, okay, natural fantasy, let's make a world where it's like dangerous for humans to live, and then we'll centralize humans in a safe location, and then create a sort of like unforgiving landscape around them. I thought we hit that just by bringing Metal City And also and Metal City, exactly. No, I mean, like, thematically? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, real talk, thematically, we have actually a pretty consistent world. Yes. In terms of design. Yeah, a big tube world, but yes. Yes. So, this was interesting, because I was like, you know what? I wasn't even trying to do that, but, like, it's true. Like, mm-hmm. if you make a world where things are very different from one another, mm-hmm. then it's easy to, like, latch on to those differences and be like, oh, this is an interesting space. Okay. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Okay, but anyways, number we three. We hit that, we hit that. This is another great one. Brainstorm convincing names. What is our only uh, named people right now? What is uh, it? Oh, it's oh, YMCA. Okay, yeah, the Yumikins. Yeah. yeah. That's real convincing. Yeah, and then robots. <laughs> and then, yeah, the- we're just like, let's put in Metal City. Uh, we'll just make a name for them later. And then we'll also probably just design them. But for now, it's just Metal City. <laughs> yeah, that's their name, Metal City. Right. That's a convincing name. It's a name. And then our our magical kingdom is just called Magic Kingdom. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if these names are convincing, but they're definitely descriptive. Yeah. As in, they are just the description of what it is. Okay. It says, how do place names fit or create unique contrast to their purpose or mood in your story? So when you put it like that, they're pretty convincing. Yeah, they're convincing. They don't have any contrast. Yeah. They are exactly what they are. Oh, wait. Well, it says, how do they fit the purpose or mood in your story? Which I guess, unless the mood is, it's a world where everything is just called what it is. It's super it literal world. It doesn't world. really fit. Is our world super literal? Is that what we're going for? It could be. Yeah. What's that one cartoon where it's like about a guy who, like a kid who enters like a cartoon world, uh, but he can like draw in it? Chalk Zone? Chalk Zone. Yeah, that thing's dope. It's kind of like Chalk Zone, except you like enter a world where you can just say whatever you want and it just makes it. Huh. So, yeah, I think that makes sense. This is a TTRPG world. That's what we're doing here. Is that a cool setting for a TTRPG? Where you can just say and anything happens? Yeah. No, it... I think that sounds crazy. <laughs> but is that not D&D in essence? Yes, to an extent. But not to the level of insanity that it brings. There's Wait, I see what's going on here. Because you're a DM. Yeah. And you can say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. And it's real. <laughs> you Suddenly, when the players want that power, you're just like, no? Yes, I gotta keep the power all for myself. That's fucked up. Yeah. 
That's gotta, I gotta, it's the secret of playing role playing games, man. It's gotta the DMs keep it all. Like they can, <laughs> they don't want you to know that you can say anything and it can happen in the world. Oh no, he's a one percenter. <laughs> I'm a the narrative progression belongs to the one percent of dungeon masters. Yes, we will use trickle down power <laughs> progression, and everyone will have what they need to survive. I sh- I feel like I feel like eventually we just need like everybody to get a certain medium of magical items a month <laughs> like people aren't gonna have the time to work they can't dedicate their lives to that shit but they still need magic items to survive yeah like magic items are things but for us we will deal them out individually slowly as it drops down from the top ranks <laughs> to the 99 percent. Right. that's how it's done until my vorpal blade trickles down to you as bracers of protection <laughs> anyways too deep Yep. Too deep in the weeds. <laughs> okay, num- <laughs> number four. Avoid only large-scale detail. Don't only show broader social and historical forces. What do people eat slash wear? Wait, hold on a second. Like, weren't we on, like, number, like, seven or something? Or No, no, this is a new checklist. Oh, okay. So we've pivoted checklist halfway through a checklist because it wasn't working for us. Well, no, no. It, there was only six. Oh, okay. And it, well, it was, like, a summary. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So there was only six, and then now this is a new one that Richie Billing linked in his article from another site called nownovel.com. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so this is number four. So are we keeping score yet? Like, what are we at? Like, we're like even, like four, four? Uh, okay, so our first one was three and three. Okay. And then this one, there's five total. Okay. And we did not do, we don't make a checklist. Mm -hmm. So that's not one. Not one. Number two, we did kind of include vivid contrast, so we're gonna take that. We did. Number three, brainstorm convincing names. We went on a really long tangent, but basically no. (laughs) Nope. Number four, okay, and then now we're on number four, which I think is also definitely not. Okay, so- in terms of our design, that's all we do. We only do large-scale detail, right? Yes. Though, I mean, like, has there been a time when we sort of, like, stopped and designed? Only the Yimika region, when we're specifically talking about how buff the guys are, and then how there's, like, a mascot race within Yimika. Sure. That is technically kind of, like, cultural details. Yeah, and the but, guilds that move around. But not to the point of, like, what shoes they wear and stuff. But even, like, outside of Fabulous, like, outside of the season... Like, I'm struggling to remember because I feel like it could go either way, right? Like, maybe we actually really do incorporate a lot of little details in terms of, like, you know, maybe when we designed the New York City thing, it was, like, is the fact that we kind of... No, those are definitely just large-scale details. Yeah, yeah, we we do wide-scraping brushes. Yeah. Just scraping. So, no, no, the answer's no. Yeah, absolutely not. Okay. Big no. Number five, show through the senses. Unveil your world through the character's eyes, ears, and noses. No. We, yeah. we, we we were even trying that specifically. We were like, oh, we'll make a couple characters that oh, we right. can insert into the world. And we dropped that behind <laughs> like the fourth or third episode. No, okay, but we'll talk about it again. We'll say we want to do it at the end of this season. Okay, yeah. And then we'll try it again for the next season. Mm-hmm, sure, and eventually yeah. it should pay off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trickle down. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Cool. So um, <laughs> that is uh, one for five. Okay, on this no- new checklist. So yep. three for three on the other one, one for five on this one. So, so far we failed both. Right. From an academic standpoint. Okay, so this one is a lot more, um, and also remember this is for writing. Mm-hmm. So obviously like show through the senses, that's not really something that, I mean, as a DM, if you're planning, you would be like, okay, I'm going to describe this town. I'm going to tell them how it smells. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell them the dush. Cor- dust caresses the their face. I'm gonna tell them the Dutch caress their face ah, as constantly. they enter Holland. Oh, okay, each like as they're passing through, there's just a Dutch guy constantly yeah, caressing exactly. their face. You enter the desert and feel the caress of a Dutch man on your face. Yes. 
It's so scaly. Oh. Yeah. Okay, he's like a lizard guy. Yeah, I guess so. I, I don't know what Dutch people are. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, it, they're kind of like Komodo dragons. Oh, okay, cool, cool, yeah, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But it's really confusing because the guy who discovered them called them Dutch people, but it's uh-huh. like lizards. Dutch people. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, okay, going for. Um. Okay, so. I have another article. All right. Let's see how we do here. And this is masterclass.com. Oh, yeah. I love it. Oh, the Skillshare, our sponsor for this episode. Yeah, exactly. Basically. <laughs> it's actually weirdly poignant that we brought that up. But so this is 10 world building tips, how to write an engaging fictional world by Masterclass. Okay. So I'm going to scroll down. I'm going to avoid all of the context they set up and just look at the meat of the article. Mm, get that meat. That okay. Kobe beef. So, okay, there's 10 of these, and this might be kind of long, so if we feel like it's not hidden, then we'll just move on to the actual questions. Okay. All right, number one. Establish the type of world you want. Pick a genre. Is this dystopian or fantasy, or both? Does it take place on Earth, alternate Earth? Uh, Knowing this will help figure out the tone and mood of your world. Okay, I mean, we pick nature world, and that's something. I think, yeah, this is basically what Fabula Ultima has you do. Yeah, I think so. When you walk through it. So, yeah, that's good. Okay, so we did that. Yeah, good job, us. Let's go. One. Good job, Fabio Ultima. Yeah, author. good job following a book's <laughs> instructions right. on how to build a world. It's, uh, much more credit belongs to the guy who wrote the book than, yeah. Yeah, than the people who just read yeah. the book. Um, the rest of the credit belongs to us for not following half of it. That's true. We put our own spin on it, by which I mean we didn't follow what the book said. <laughs> okay, number two. Decide where to start. Whether it's the language spoken by the inhabitants or the apocalyptic landscape, pick the aspect of the world you're most excited about exploring and start there. I mean, we did start by picking the most exciting aspects, which is Metal City and Yimika. That oh, that is a great way to frame what I did. <laughs> which is, yeah, so... Just shoehorn what I wanted to do nonstop. It, yeah. yeah, it wasn't that you just put in a random thing into our design. It was you really wanted... It was the thing you wanted to explore the most mm-hmm. in the world. Um, You know, that is a really good point. I wasn't thinking about it like that. But that is kind of true, right? Because it's like... For some reason, I really wanted to put this in the world. I think it... Did it come... No, we, we hadn't established anything about, like, emeralds or anything We before. had nothing going into it. You okay. just like, I want to add Middle City. Right, because it just was, like, like the okay. first thing. Yeah. And it was like, okay, let's add robots. Yeah, it was literally like... The first thing was, nature world is what we want to do. Let's add robots. <laughs> okay, perfect. But, I mean, like, it's interesting reading back through it like this because it really did inform the rest of the design process. Mm-hmm. Because it, it was like, at that point, we were like, okay, well, if we're going to put Sonic shit in it, then I guess the dude is Eggman, right? The big yeah. bad is Eggman. And I guess he's after Chaos Emeralds, because he's always after the Chaos he's Emeralds. He's always after Chaos Emeralds. He has robots that he does his bidding. They're attacking other people and stealing right. spirits, which they put in them, like Eggman's robots. Yeah, exactly. And then from there, it was like, okay, well, if we have established this sort of antagonist force in the mm-hmm. world, then like how do we sort of build on the rest of whatever factions or people exist here. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. We did that. Yeah, we did that. We did that. Decide yeah. where to start, we did that. We, we stole Sonic IP and turned it into our own. Great. I love it. Perfect. Okay, number three. Uh, list the rules and laws. Uh, the inhabitants who live in this world you've created will have their own independent existence. What's their governing system? Who's in charge? Is this a magical world? Who can use the magic? How powerful is it? Setting up boundaries helps create a fictional world that functions more like a real world. Yeah, I mean, we did do that. We established the rule that the world is not flat, it's tubular, and people think it's flat. Right. And then spirits go through a reincarnation cycle through two different worlds. But I think this is more like the rules of, like, how people live rather than, like, the rules of the whole world. Oh. And I think that is something that we're going to try to do today. So we haven't done it yet, so that's a no. Right, so that's a no. (laughs) 
But we, the intention is there. Yeah, the yeah, we intend to do that. Maybe, right? Hopefully, yes. We, we intend. intend to do it. If we will, is still Up questionable. Air, yeah, but we will try our best. Yeah. So we have not done this, mm-hmm. right? Like even for when we designed. Yimka. Yes. No, you're right. We have not done this. <laughs> I hundreds and tell you, we did not do this yet. True. What? No. True. Okay. Number four. Describe the environment. Give yourself science fiction. Oh, give your science fiction or fantasy world a sense of place. What's the weather like? How does it affect the rest of the world? Are there natural disasters? Are there extreme temperatures? What natural not what natural resources exist? How do people use the land? Establishing the environment is a useful detail in the creation of your world. Okay, I think we did that. We talked about how like the emeralds are impacting the world and causing right. havoc, which is we didn't explain every natural disaster yet, but we did say it causes some. We did eventually get to the point where we decided like okay, every region embodies an element mm-hmm. and it informs what kind of disasters occur and yep. what kind of, what the the climate is like, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So. And one of the resources is spirits in the world that they used for magic and shit. So. Yep, yep. So while I don't think that we have buckled down and really figured out what like the sort of nature and climate and like environment mm-hmm. is like for any one particular location, mm-hmm. I think we. Think about this when yeah. we when we design it. I mean, I will say we started this, and I think that's enough to say, yes, we did this. Right, right, right. So that's a yes. That's a yes. Have I been keeping track? Okay, hang on. So number one was establish the type of world, which is, yeah, so we did yeah, that. Yeah, we said nature world, yeah. Number two, decide where, we, where to start. Okay, we did that. Yeah, we did that. Number three, list the rules and laws. Absolutely not. not. Number four, describe the environment. Absolutely not. Okay, now we're on. So that's two for four. Yeah. Okay, number five, define the culture. What no, no we did the last one. We did the fourth one, right? We we said we thought about it and we started it. We got the Oh so Yeah. Three okay. For okay. Four. Okay. Three, three for four. four. Yeah. Okay. We're pretty good at this. Yeah. We're pretty good at this. Yeah, so far good. We okay. Like Number five, define the culture. Uh what do the inhabitants of the universe believe in? Is there religion? God? Do they have sacred customs? What do they celebrate? How does it shape their points of view? Breathe life into the characters who populate this location by giving them a meaningful existence. Write down how people behave and what they do in their daily life. Immediately, it's really funny to me that the tip is like define the culture and then it's just like these guys got a religion <laughs> that's it mm-hmm, yep <laughs> that's all you need that's your culture yeah because i mean it really is like that right like when you play like a jrpg or like a fantasy game it's mm-hmm. like this is the kingdom of heraldia mm-hmm. and they believe in the goddess sanctium mm-hmm. and that's it yep. that's their that's their hobby they yeah. just love god they love sanctium right and then it's just like oh okay so they don't like play sports and stuff they, <laughs> they just like worship a god yeah <laughs> like that's it the sanctium only they follow the Sanctium team. The colors are <laughs> gold and yellow. <laughs> gold and yellow, gold and yellow. Yeah, no, so I don't... Well, I mean, because, like, this makes it seem so shallow, like... I mean, we don't use the religion point. We take it from, like, the spiritual point, I guess. Right. Because that's kind of, like, how the characters developed in our world. Yeah, And yeah. they do believe that the world is flat, we established, on a 8 by 11 piece of paper. Yes, okay. Yeah, so we, we have kind of established, like, worldviews. Mm-hmm. While we haven't really gone into, like, why or how their views kind of change their outlook on the world in terms of our human kingdom, I think there is, like, a foundation there. Like, we we at least gave it thought. Yeah, yeah, we thought about it, so I'd say yes. Because we were talking about how the humans view the rest of the world. Yep, we thought about it. I'd say yes. <laughs> okay. Did we... <laughs> Did we define it, though? Def- oh, shit. We have to define it? It was That's number five. Th- define the culture. Define the culture. We defined one of the cultures, I say, which is 
Yumiko's view, and then I guess the Water Kingdom. Although, did we define that one, or did Richard define that one? I don't know if we even, because we might have not talked about the Water Kingdom on the podcast. That yeah. might have been off mic. No, that yeah, the Water Kingdom came in much later when Richard was kind enough to provide his own character of OC, and then right. we worked together to kind of create that into something into our world. So, because like I know we we talked about Richard's character pretty in depth for the for the character creation episode. Yep. But I don't think we talked at all about, like, our ideas for where he's from. Yeah. I think we... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So I'd say that maybe that's a no. Yeah, okay. we just, no, we just didn't talk about him. Sorry, Richard. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think we went far enough in terms of, like, defining a culture. Yeah. The keyword here being defined, which is a big no, because we don't define right. anything on our podcast. Yes. 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 It's like we don't read anything. Especially all the words that we use wrong. We <laughs> yes. absolutely do not define those. <laughs> Kind of by necessity. Yeah. Okay, number six, define the language. Oh, this is really long. Um. Oh, God. What? What? No, we didn't. We just said they speak English, whatever, common thing. Wait, hang on. It, they referenced George R.R. R. Martin, so we have to read this. Oh, God. Okay. George R.R. R. Martin's World of Restoros in his Game of Thrones series has multiple languages spoken by various different tribes, and each language belongs to a culture with its own rich history. Which includes... I don't read Game of Thrones. Yeah, okay. I or just books know incest. in general. Yeah, okay. You just know incest. Yeah, yeah. So I just know so George R. R. Martin. Is... Are you saying? Are you implying that instead of reading books, you just like to do incest? <laughs> no, no, hell no. <laughs> Hold on, let's wind that back, sir. That is a bold accusation. No. No, I don't really know Game of Thrones. I just know incest. You ever do that? <laughs> no. Yeah. This is an interesting one though because I feel like in a lot of fantasy there is this sense of like this race of people is contrasted with the main characters because they come at you and they just speak a language that you don't understand as a viewer. Yeah. But, and there's also, like, it's actually, okay, I remember what I wanted to talk about when I was, like, first scanning through these because, in my opinion, there is this really interesting, like, cultural reflection in fantasy where, for Western fantasy, because, like, a lot of classic fantasy authors are British. Yeah. They have like this really ingrained sense of like meeting other immigrants, being exposed to other cultures, being at, like at odds with other cultures. Okay. Within their own homes, like within their home country. Okay. Because, you know, like so many people are immigrating or, and it's like the EU, so they can freely go to different countries. Oh, they can freely I thought work those, in other countries. I thought this was more from like a colonial, colonialism kind of mindset. That's also true. Trying to just constant. <laughs> Beautiful. But, oh. um, but like it's interesting because you can kind of see that reflected in fantasy writing where it's like when a, a Western fantasy author tries to create a race of people that is supposed to be like a deep cultural contrast to the main characters or, like, to the viewer, they will immediately sort of have this, like, okay, they don't speak the same language. Mm -hmm. They don't worship the same gods. You know, they don't do this. They don't do that. They look different. Like, you know, yeah. it's like this cultural checklist of, like, okay, things that intimidate me about other cultures <laughs> yeah. as a white person. <laughs> yeah, pretty it's much. like, okay, say, they're the not heck? Christian. Uh, they don't eat the same food. They don't speak the same language. They seem kind of dirty or whatever. Mm. Like, yeah, it's just all these things that you run through this checklist. And then... For JRPGs, what's really funny in contrast with that is no matter what world you're in, no matter what people and no matter what race, like they could be beastmen, they could be aliens, mm -hmm. everybody speaks the same language. Yep. Everybody just speaks common Japanese, like the lingua franca. Yeah. And it's like, if you really think about it, like how can you be in a world where you can like, like imagine you were like deep in the trenches of World War One. Yeah. And you're like, you, you run up on a dude and you fucking bayonet him. 
Not just shoot him. Yeah. You stab him through the chest with a bayonet. All right, I'm imagining this right now. And you feel, <gasps> you're feeling the impact as you have to force the dull blade through his uniform and it's into like his chest. peanut butter. <laughs> what the fuck? And then you just hear the guy going like, no, please, I have a family. And you're just like, yeah, fuck you. You're <laughs> from another country, bitch. Like, that, you would be, like, so hard to distance yourself from, like, no, please, have mercy. I have to return home to my daughter. And then you're just like, nah, fuck you. You have a different accent than me. Yeah, fuck exactly. you, man. But it's, like, so funny because in JRPGs, like, everybody just speaks the same Japanese. Yeah. So it's, like, it's not even, like, you're so different. It's, like, no, I don't really know why we're different or at odds. Your uniform's a different color, so <laughs> clearly that's why. Exactly. It's just, like, fuck you, red team idiot. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Oh, uh, man. But, yeah, okay. No, so, for us, right, I think? Well, that we is kind of no. tried to establish that, I guess. With the Yimika and the Magic Kingdom. We're playing with it, but that wasn't at our original starting. Well, I think it's funny because it's crazy. Like, if you think about it, when you play D&D... The concept of not knowing languages is, like, baked into the system. It is, yeah. So it's like, if you're being like, okay, my pl- I'm going to take my players through a new land. They're going to go to, you know, the land of the elves. Mm-hmm. And, oh, a cool problem to uh, sort of present to them. If nobody in the party speaks elvish, then they will have to, you know, establish some other thing or they won't be able to communicate as easily because they have to use common. But then, because we're using Tabula Ultima, and I feel like we have, like, JRPG brain right now. Yeah. It's just, like, we don't even, we didn't even consider it, right? Yeah. Like, we didn't even consider that in this world that the different cultures might speak different languages or, like, be unable to communicate. Mm-hmm. It was just the sense of, like, no, no. I think they're just going to be hidden. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's just going to be hiding. Yeah. For some reason. For some reason, there's only one kingdom that's well known to the world, and every other one is just hidden from them. Right. And it's, like, because we had this, well, because I think it's that, jrpg sort of hero's journey thing where it's like the humans don't know anything about the world but the rest of the world really wants to tell them about it for some reason they are just waiting for you to find it so it is this sort of like yeah there's just a lot of races that are waiting to reveal all the secrets of the world but you just have to find them first but they speak your language and everything Mm -hmm. yeah anyways we absolutely did not do that no 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 because it was not even a thing that crossed our minds no george R. 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 martin in us so yeah apologies mr martin Man, his name is hard to say it is yeah it's definitely it sounds many, like a many errors. It sounds like a vocal exercise you would yeah. do before going on stage. George R. R. Martin. <laughs> George R. R. Martin farts in the north <laughs> part of Spain. Okay, number seven. Identify the history. What is your world's history? Have there been any world wars? Do the countries within your world have enemies? Are there rival nations? Is there a sole antagonist? Providing the backstory for your world can give it an added dimension and make it feel more tangible. I'd say yes. I mean, we have... We, we did the shit out of this. Yeah, this is the only thing we actively keep trying to push. Yes, we, we did the shit out of this. Sort of. I think we did it from a really macro We did the shit out of this. Sort (laughs) of. (laughs) I love that backtrack. There's still a lot of residual shit in this. I mean, that's part of our We did do a lot of shit out of it. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, we did that in an hour and a half. So what else can we do by the end of these 13-hour season? Right. I mean, it's like, have you ever had an enema? (laughs) No. Even after you pooped, you would be surprised how much poop is still left in there. You know what I mean? (laughs) So we kind of did that. It was kind of like that. Okay. So, yeah, our podcast is like an enema for everyone else. (laughs) That's our that's our punt that's our tagline. Dude, if one we, shot at a time, an enema for you. If we ever make it and we get a merch store, that's gotta be the first shirt. <laughs> like it, our, our podcast is like yeah, an enema. Like, okay. One shot at a time. It's like it's like getting an enema. <laughs> uh it kinda rolls off the tongue. I like it. Oh, don't like that imagery <laughs> when you're talking about an enema. Okay. Um 
Yeah, okay, but it is like we did do a very large scale um like how was the world created? Mm-hmm. What is the cycle? What do people yeah. know about it? What do people not know about it? What's lost to history? What was known? Yeah. Um, I mean, they had a lot of that in the Ultima guidelines as well for world building. I think that's what helped us a lot. Yes. And uh the is there a sole antagonist question is underlined. Therefore, it's probably the most important question, yeah. and we answered the shit out of that question. So we get three extra points for that, right? Yes. Okay, so cool. now the score is 43-6. Cool. We're absolutely owning this Masterclass quest. Mm-hmm. Um, we are the masters of this class. I don't remember. I have to, it's, <laughs> it's probably like such bad radio to be like, hang on, I have to scroll back up and see which questions we got. Huh. Um, okay, so we're on question seven. We have uh, one, two. All right. Daniel came with two, so that's believe, all we had so I far. I believe we have two. Okay. No, okay. Well, we identify the history is three. So, okay, three out of seven. Okay, here it comes. I'm going to make three with my hands. Okay. Make a three with my fingies. He, he has three fingies. Okay. Count the fingies. One, um, uh-huh. two, yep. three. Nice. Three fingies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh. I just didn't think he would do it. Like, I didn't think he would keep doing it. I was, like, fully ready to move on. I was ready to move on when you said one, quite frankly. <laughs> I was tired after like one <laughs> second of this joke, and then you made it three. It was even worse. Oh my god, get out of here! One. Do I commit to this bit? It's just counting. Yes, mm. dude, you have no idea. Okay, off topic, but like one of my friends, we were doing like the thing where we we're like going one, two, three, and we said like our team name to get us hyped for a show. Okay, and I just went. I didn't know that was happening, so I went one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> Because I wasn't sure what's happening. Ah, yes. It's going to be a team competition where we see who can count the farthest. <laughs> I just kept counting. It, it was fun. Uh, that's great. Oh, this is one we probably do. Number eight, use existing works to inspire you. Oh, yeah, that's all Let's we do. Let's just chug it off for a dub. That's four fingies, baby. Four fingies! Okay, let's see what it says. Revisit the works of successful fantasy authors. Oh. Do you think Naka Yuji of Sonic Team is a successful fantasy author? Yeah, I mean, I, would you consider Sonic a fantasy story? You know what? This is an interesting thought exercise. How would you classify the genre of sonic i would classify it uh as fantasy because there's an episode where he holds a sword and then kisses a girl princess that's true that's true that hedgehog does fall in love with a human woman <laughs> yeah he also turns into a were hedgehog which seems very fantasy, that's pretty fantasy as well yeah well it could also that could kind of be more like um do you still yeah i guess it's like modern fantasy because mm-hmm. would you still consider like uh like twilight fantasy yeah. That's just called fantasy, right? Yeah, I would call it fantasy. Okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't really know what else you would call it then, really. Smut? I don't know. Sonic? No, Twilight. Oh! I was like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could go, like, sci-fi, but yeah, I guess it would just be fantasy. I mean, it would be sci-fi for, like, Sonic Adventure Battle 2. Because yes. they go into space. No, but I mean, like, even in, like, the, f- like, the original Sonic games, like, Eggman's flying around in a robot and stuff. Yeah, that's Right? There's a lot of, like, robot stuff. Yeah. There's also guns in the world, but guns can be fantasy. You can have fantasy guns. So guns I, can be fantasy. So I would say yes, it is fantasy. Cool. Uh, I don't remember why we did that. <laughs> I think it was... Uh, oh, yeah. right. <laughs> okay, I'm going to read this. Revisit the works of successful fantasy authors to get inspiration. Never steal ideas. Oh, shit. Never steal ideas. Hold on. Weird. Uh, the podcasting software isn't... Never <laughs> steal ideas. It's not letting me read past yeah. this sentence. okay okay never steal ideas but review the work of other fantasy writers to see how they answer the same world building questions within their own novel writing is this good advice 
never steal ideas. Well, that's obviously good advice. Yeah. But is the advice of saying, look at other successful authors in the same genre and see how they build their worlds? Well, okay. I don't like how they say how they answer the same world building questions. Mm. Though, I guess it's kind of just like for inspiration. So they're not really saying copy it. Yeah. Because they specifically say don't steal, so they're okay now. That's true. Yeah. That's true. If you write, like, this is my OC, don't steal, Exactly. You're fine. Then okay. people can't steal it. Yeah. So right. clearly it's okay. The podcasting software won't let them read past the first three words. <laughs> um. Okay. So we definitely did this. So that's four for eight. Okay. Okay. Number nine. We're almost done. Describe how characters develop. Already off the bat, not sure that we do. Well, no, we talk about this a lot. We actually talk about this a lot. Okay, I'm going to read this. You're going to read it? I don't know what we're talking about a lot. Your character development is based on the social... Okay, hang on. I'm less confident now that they wrote <laughs> the word. I've read two sentences. Now I feel not confident in what I see we the four words, sociopolitical factors you establish, and I'm less confident. <laughs> okay, you're... Yeah, okay. Character development is based on the sociopolitical factors you establish... Is their status based on their class or wealth? Do they have jobs they can get promoted at? Is their political system oppressive? How do they respond to grief or loss? Do they fall in love? Figuring out your main character's growth, they wrote grow, but I'm assuming they meant growth, is an important defining aspect of your character's world. Real talk, do we do this? Because I feel like we bring up, like, this would be a good arc for this NPC to experience. Yes. I feel like we do that a lot. Yes. Whether that factors in the social political aspects of the world, honestly, we do that a lot. Yeah, like like real talk, because the only way you can preface like us talking like seriously is by saying real talk first. We do. I mean, like everything we say sounds like a start to a bit. <laughs> so right. yeah. So we have to say real talk. Okay, real talk. I think the way we design a lot of our adventures is we play very macro first, and then we tighten it so quickly to micro. Yes. We we start macro, and then we hone in on specifically characters. Yes. And that's where we play micro. But we don't talk about it like on a grand socioeconomic scale, but we may target one specific character's development through a socioeconomic scale. Yes. Yes. And I, I, I think we do do that. Okay. I am not even going to attempt to think back on a specific example because I'm afraid I will just fully embarrass myself. Yep. But I get the feeling that a lot of times what we do is say, okay, we've established that this world, you know, has this power struggle. Yes. Right? Like people are trying or, you know, they live under the rule of this king or, you know, Mm -hmm. they... Are they're afraid of these forces? Yes. And then we say, here's a character. It would be interesting for them to be motivated by, you know, uh, wanting to rebel, right? Or mm-hmm. like wanting to find a solution to this. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. I feel like we do that. Yeah. So what is it? Five for nine? Yeah. Okay. So let's we go. failed. Cool. Five. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Literally not even a C. Uh, number ten. Uh, plan with caution. We might be able to get a D. Okay. Plan with caution. No, okay. no, no, we so, don't, we're not, no caution at all. We just say things and right. throw it in there. Like, this works. Let's see why they say you should be cautious. Building a detailed world for sci-fi or fantasy. Oh, okay, this is a good thing to read. Um, okay, building a detailed world for sci-fi or fantasy fiction can be fun, and it's easy to get lost in the small details you want to include in your universe. However, focusing on too many aspects of your fantasy world building will not only take time away from the actual writing, but possibly limit your freedom when you want to try changing the story later. Um, you may feel like you have to follow the world being, building you laid out for yourself, um, but your story and other details will continuously change along the way. I thought they were going to say something about cultural sensitivity, but... Okay, um, no. 
Yeah. So because yeah. it was that, we would definitely not hit that. But right, and then also we don't even remember what we say when we do the podcast. So <laughs> like, it's not like we even are like feel stuck incorporating stuff we said before. Yeah. So a hundred percent, this we do hit. I guarantee you, we just retcon the, the emeralds at some point. We're just like, wouldn't it be cool if they needed to go to a sky island? And Which then it's just like, crystal, right? But, yeah, but it's like, there's no crystals there. And it's just like, what crystals? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, they should go to the sky island. Yeah. Oh, that's where the master crystal is. There you go. Oh, master emerald diamond. That's a line from a Knuckles rap. But I, <laughs> a just, knuckle rap. I just said the word, so it, this doesn't really, there's no context. <laughs> I also don't remember what he rhymes it with, but okay. yeah, cool. So overall, um, I'd say our score is... 50%. Yeah, 50%. Oh, no, and then I think we pretty consistently hit 50%, except the one we bombed where we only got one out of five. Yeah, so overall, we failed across the board. But yes. to be fair, it is in a very short time constraint. Like, up until this point, we've only done like seven to eight hours of actual world building together. Right, right. We definitely learned along the way. Definitely learning along the way. Plus, we are world building for a tabletop role-playing game. Yes. Not yes. a story. It is. If we're real talking, there is... Well, actually, you know, I don't know. I mean, like, real talk... Do you feel... Is this a real talk? Yes, okay. this is a real talk. This okay. is not a bit. No no jokes, just introspection. Okay. Do you feel like there is a significant difference? And I know neither of us really have experience doing, like, fully writing out a world. Yeah, I don't read books. Right, exactly. How, how do you expect to write a book? <laughs> but do you feel like there is a significant difference between designing a world for writing and designing a world for DMing? Because I'm, you know, having, like, my first instinct is like, yeah, they're totally different, right? Because you're talking about it. Mm-hmm. But having the question turn around on me, I don't know. I think they might be really similar. I think there is... It depends on how, what level of professionalism you're aiming at. Because I would say sure. that, like, real talk, for us at home... Yes. When you're DMing and you're making your own homebrew world... Yeah. You're not going to hit all those aspects because you want to let the players add those aspects in. Unless sure, sure. you're trying to be a writer and then you're being a writer DM where your entire focus is to get them to read about your world. But I would say that's not the best sell. Usually you can do okay. it, but it's not the best sell for me. Right. Um, on a professional aspect, a lot of modules and adventure books kind of have to be written like a book. Yes. Because that's how they get people to read it. Right, right, right. But I mean, like, because at the same time, even as a DM, it is easier to come up with stuff to ad lib to uh you know like change directions on the fly if you are very confident in the sort of like completeness of your world you know what i mean like the completeness of your setting right if you're like i know what would be happening if you guys choose to do this because i know that these people in this area are trying to do this thing i will say that depends on the game master because for me I like to be able to improvise on the fly. And if I have to keep those things in the back of my mind, I'll mm-hmm. constantly be like, well, does that make sense in this magical system I've developed like strictly for this world and the culture of these people to react to this statement that he says? And it's a mm. lot to like have to keep in the back of your mind. Well, right. if I'm like pretty like, like, what is it? Like loose magic? Is that the word? No. Soft magic. Soft magic. Okay. Right. Flaccid magic. Flaccid magic. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Flaccid magic. It's f- There's flaccid magic and then there's engorged magic. <laughs> Jesus okay real talk though for like soft magic i have more room to play with and because it's at the table and you're kind of dealing with punches on the fly yes again if you're writing you're sitting there you can reference your stuff constantly that's easier yeah if you're not then you barely have time to check rules man sometimes so right right let me ask you this then do so like in your experience you know designing stuff for home campaigns yes 
And I know you have done like a, a extended home campaign. Yeah, like three years or something. Yeah. yeah. So when you come up with new sessions for that, or when you come up with progression for the story, mm-hmm. like when you latch onto an idea you really like, or mm-hmm. like you find inspiration you really like, what is it about that kind of stuff that you ultimately ultimately end up bringing into the design for the campaign? Like, is there a specific like? Say you you're like, okay, what should the next town be? I'll look mm-hmm. at Tales of Symphonia. Yeah. Is there something from the uh the world of the game that immediately kind of stands out to you in terms of like oh i'm imagining it visually or yeah. like oh you know the people there yeah for me it's just uh having those broad strokes available because until it's like set in a game and they verified it it's not ironed into the game for me so interesting if i'm throwing in like palma costa into one of our cities that we're using then i will take aspects of it it's a port city there's maybe an evil governor and they have like a rival they hate like a certain race of people that are trying to enslave them right um and then port okay there's probably fishing and stuff there and shopping and that's kind of like my brain going through oh and then Mm. there's like a there's an academic school okay it's just like broad strokes for me to play with yeah that i can use to reference to make the world feel alive but not to the point where like it restricts my creativity and lets the players not be able to do things they want to do. Right, right, right. Okay. Along with whatever shoehorn quest I threw in there for a hook. Yeah, okay. So that's a, so it's interesting because and I did not mean to pivot into talking seriously for so long, but this is yeah. actually interesting. Unreal talk time. Right. Well, this is still real talk because oh, shit, okay. in the in Richie Billings article, um he actually touches on like the issue of making the world too detailed. Yes. And expecting readers to just want to learn everything about your world. Yeah. So it's like, it's interesting because the conversation started as like, it's too heavy handed to des- to over design for D&D. Yes. But then at the same time, it's like, if I bog myself down in details of the world in D&D mm-hmm. and writing, mm-hmm. then it becomes harder to use the base ideas that I came up with in the first place. Yeah. True. So, yeah. I mean, they might not be so different after all. No, they might not be. It, it really comes down to you individually and what you feel comfortable with. As a writer, I feel like your goal is to sell a story. So Yes. So you're definitely going to need a lot more specifics to fill out scenes which you don't need in D&D. And writing you want to be more colorful with your words too. Like you're still following like depending on what you're writing like a hero or something but I don't think anyone wants to read 30 pages of you explaining like straight up the culture of this place and how people are dressed for like 30 pages straight and like that's cool. But But it's so yeah I don't know. I It'll be really interesting. I mean it's not going to happen but it would be really interesting to get other DM feedback on this because like it must be so much like a stylistic thing because like in the article, he also mentions like to use your details. Don't just like describe them. Yes. Say, um, you know, like initiate a scene and then say that like, you know, describe the clothing that the waitress is wearing, right? Mm-hmm. If you're in a restaurant, like, yeah. like, you know, describe the food they're eating, which is something that George R. R. Martin does a lot. I know I don't yeah. read books, but I hear about <laughs> it. So I'm, I'm inclined to talk about it. Oh, okay. So yeah, and, and I feel like it's kind of the same thing in D&D where it's like, you know, oh, you walk into the tavern, you smell the waft of, I don't know, whatever fantasy animal is there. And yeah. then, you know, like, oh, the girls are wearing these whatever dresses. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're trying to play to the senses to get them, like, sold on the world. Yeah. And having those aspects may help you provide those colorful details. Mm-hmm. But um, it's going to depend on the reader and the players whether or not that's yeah. something they care about. Maybe yeah. they don't care about the salted pig and the flavor of how savory and fatty the meat is what right, they care right. about is the design of the like clothing that they wear because they they're into clothing or mm-hmm. uh maybe they're just purely looking for the enemy and they're focused on who the mystery man is in the corner that's gonna cause all the problems in the world right yeah right right everyone right. i think 
having those details are nice. Um, they might buy in certain people, depending on who they are, but you need to write your story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And at if the that end story of the day. Is, yeah, if that story on its own doesn't have any legs, it doesn't matter how colorful your world is. Right. It might not have any legs. Yeah, it's, I mean, but like snakes don't have legs, but they're still really fast. Oh, you're right. Okay. <laughs> Logic. <laughs> no, but you know, it's a good point. And like, it really makes me think a lot. It makes me think back to the whole like Western fantasy is sort of like posed already to do this sort of cultural storytelling mm-hmm. while Eastern fantasy like tells this kind of storytelling that is like very sort of contrasted with how we view different cultures. Yeah. And it's interesting because like, when you think about how you, uh, how you, uh, what, what is it? What is the word? How you like describe or like how you portray a world, mm-hmm. there is this kind of sense of like, I completely lost my train of thought. What the fuck is going on? Um, Flaccid. Hold on. Because <laughs> uh, I was thinking about the whole like describing the tavern scene. And when you said like, the details of the story don't necessarily matter because you need to actually tell the story. This is all going to get cut, by the way, because I'm, I'm legitimately trying to remember. Yeah, his flaccid magic's going to get cut. Right. Um, yeah, I'm going to cut my... Yeah, that's disgusting. <laughs> that's disgusting that you just tell the world that I'm uncircumcised. <laughs> it's going to get cut, so whatever. Okay, great. Dude, oh, man. I know I should just move on, but, like, we, I... We have time. It doesn't matter. I had this... I really wanted to touch on, like, um, my flaccid magic penis. Oh, God. All right, we're going back to that uh, <laughs> Unreal talk now. Okay, cool. The Unreal Engine talk. Let's go. Okay, give me like 30 seconds. Okay. Plus. Oh, okay, I remember now. Okay, you can cut in at the point where I'm like, oh, I remember now. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> no, I'm I have kidding. two versions of that I can use. Great. Yes, okay. So this is going to be an editing nightmare for Daniel. Here we go. Thank you. Um, so I wanted to talk about how you made the point of um, you don't need to bog down listeners in the details, but I think it's really interesting because... The reason we probably feel that way is because fantasy is so overdone, I guess, in a sense, where mm-hmm. it's like, you say, the barbarian David walks into a tavern. Yeah. You immediately have a mental context for everything that's going on in that scene. Yep. Because you've seen a barbarian walk into a tavern a million times. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because if you wanted to portray a world that is very not typical high fantasy, I feel like you would need to like preface every scene so much more with like you know oh maybe you're playing like a bug's life campaign you're, you have <laughs> you have to kind of be like it's a tavern and it's you know like it's a little dirt hole under the um like house floorboards right yeah. and you have to like really describe like okay, there's a mosquito sitting at the bar with a big droplet of blood yeah exactly and he and calls then, it a bloody mary yeah that's you, like literally from the show yeah you kind of have to be like oh right okay i don't actually remember anything about bug's life but you kind of have to be like well it's a mosquito? Like, what the fuck does he look like? Like, does he look like a realistic mosquito? Is it just, like, a dude with a mosquito head, but he's wearing, like, a weird suit under there? Like, mm-hmm. what is going on? Yeah, I think that's where the point of, like, having references that people can easily draw, like, an understanding to makes it easier. Like, if you're, like, fantasy, we know what a barbarian looks like. Yeah. Even if you, like, say Bug's Life, you're like, okay, well, people, some people have seen Bug's Life, so they're like, oh, I know what this looks like in Bug's Life. Right, that's right, why when, right. At least I DM, I'm like, oh, this character kind of looks like someone out of a tales game or maybe he looks like he just came out of genshin impact okay right or he right, looks very right. reminiscent to gene or zelda or something you know oh okay that, that's, yeah, why, like, that's that's a good strategy yeah it's like a cheat for me because i'm not as skilled in word choice and you also don't need to worry about just blatantly infringing on copyrights yeah especially when yeah. you're just doing a home game yeah, yeah no one cares like if you're right. like big twitch streamer critical role okay fine yeah. maybe you gotta spend a bit more time on yeah, that you can't really just be like 
this character is Dante from Devil May Cry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah, that it just got me thinking so much because I realized that like, you know, part of the reason why uh at this point it feels different, but part of the reason why um like Dungeons and Dragons probably focuses so much on including like just this absolute cornucopia of uh world details like in their books right like yeah. the player's handbook the dm's handbook will tell you a bunch about the forgotten realms yeah and everybody usually skips over it because they're like i'll just make up my own shit i don't care. yeah because fuck that noise but like the reason why that's actually super useful is because like if we didn't already know D D shit in our brains it would be like well what is the world like who's in the world like what are some examples of like places in the world right and like Having that as an already established context helps so much with being able to just say, like, okay, I'm just going to skip to the meat because you don't need the little, like, sprinkles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's why our meat is Sonic World, so everyone understands what that looks like. That is true. I mean, maybe that might be one of the reasons why, like, it was so much easier to design after we were, like, oh, you know what? Maybe everybody does just look like a hedgehog and Eggman. (laughs) Yeah, and the enemy is the one human in this world. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The one human woman. Yeah. Oh, jeez, wait, what? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. So we were uh, a little peek behind the screen. We were originally planning on using the world building uh, techniques to design a location in our world, uh, in our fabulous Ultima setting. But uh, we talked for way too long, and it ended up being too much fun just seeing how we did. So this is gonna be just a bonus episode. It's a bonus shot. Bone. Whoa. Bonus shot. Oh, bone shot at a time. Bonus boner. No, I lost Engorged, it. Engorged, bone shot. <laughs> what, what are you trying to go for? Because it's like bone shot, one shot, bonus, you know, bone shot. Bonus shot at a time. Like, okay, yeah, you can call this um, season three, bonus shot at a time. Bo- bon- we're, we'll workshop when we get home, okay? It's all good. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, just a quick wrap up. Like, you don't have to hit all these points. They're just inspirations for you when you're building your world. And you kind of see, like, us who've, well... We've DMs, both of us at least. I've created a right, world. Right, that's, that's a statement. Yeah. You've used ChatGBT. I mean, ChatGBT doesn't give you, like, full-on everything here either. Right, right. Well, I mean, because, interestingly, even if you get... If, even if, like, someone just gives you a template to get started off of, mm-hmm. as you play the game, right, like, you are kind of actively building the world, even without realizing it, right? Because you're, like, kind of forming these connections in your brain. Like, this is where this is. Yeah. And this, that's where that must be. Yeah, and you don't want to, like, a lot of... This is going to vary from player to player, but I would say, like, at least in my understanding, and especially from, like, the popular series you see online, they do focus on giving the players investment into their world and, like, having their ideas brought in. That's why Fabula Ultima is, like, you get your players in on building the world together, do these things with everybody, and we didn't have any players, so we're already boned for that. Right. Bonus, bonus shot. I'm still working on that. Okay, (laughs) yeah. Um, Yeah, but, like, just the idea is, like, Here's some ideas to get started, things to help you. The Fabula Ultima book clearly has like a great template to yes. get you going. We have confirmed that this day. Yeah, it's a good good thing to start with. But like they say in one of the tips, don't get bogged down in the details. You still got to write your story, so make sure you write your story. Right. All right. Anything else you want to add on before we close out? No, that was great. This was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was nice to see us get graded on what we did. Yeah. And know I, that uh... we failed across the board. Right. I... <laughs> I do, I do hope that like if you listen and you DM, like I would really like to hear what you f- think about like how writing tips weigh up against like DM world building tips. Yeah, because yeah. it is interesting. Like I feel like there will be a really wide spectrum of thoughts on it. Like 
For sure. Some might think it's the exact same. Th- some might be like, no, that's way too much detail for me. Yeah. I mean, hey, uh, you can email us with your thoughts at one shot at a time cast at gmail.com. You can also tweet us at one shot at a time on Twitter. Yep. We'll respond, like, I don't know if we're ghosted on that account. Something's going on. <laughs> right. Doesn't uh, really matter. If there's like a review system that leaves comments, like Apple Music does, you yeah. leave a comment there. Spotify, leave us we'll a five-star review. We'll only read the ones that are uh, three stars or under. So. <laughs> no, no. Five-star <laughs> review. My God, Daniel, stop doing this. Uh, please leave a five-star review for us. Even if you don't like us, please leave us a five-star review. It helps us out one way or another. We're just tiny, starving podcasters. Right. Um, Long, I'll, scrappy, and hungry. Young, scrappy, and hungry. Yeah. Need those stars to stay funny. Or is that a reference to Hamilton, or were you just trying to rhyme? I was just trying to rhyme at okay. that point. Okay, I can't that's rhyme. Good. That's pretty good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, outside of that, uh, you can reach us. Uh, you can reach Daniel at his Twitter. No, no. I'm going to block you if you DM me. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. At Domo, I'm Daniel. D-O-M-O, I am Daniel. Yep. And you can see me at Neighborhood Comedy Theater uh, in Mesa, Arizona. And you d- definitely come check us out if you're here. Uh, I do improv shows once in a while. And also, uh, let your friends know. Word of mouth is the best way to help us out by spreading the word. Five-star reviews help, too. But, like, tell your friends to come listen to us. Two Daniels. Yep. Riffing on things. We riffing. We make we stuff. We riffing and yiffing. We, we know, tell jokes. And, what? Y- no. Just power through it, man. Okay, power through it. Uh, <laughs> we'll be at conventions in Arizona, hopefully Sabotin Con, uh, maybe uh, Uwu Con if they're doing something here. Yeah, Sabotin Con, if you're listening, please uh, review our uh, panel submissions. Yeah, Daniel's got a fun new panel that he's coming up with, so uh, if you're in Arizona, come say hi. Anyways, uh, see y'all next time, okay? Fuck all other states. What? What?